I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If I were to ask you what's your favorite Disney movie, you would probably say something animated. It's just what we know Disney for, whether it be The Lion King, Toy Story, maybe even Moana. You know, the things you can get a toy of, you can have on a t-shirt or go to Disney World and ride the ride of this character. But what I wanted to explore on this episode is the non-animated world of Disney. A lot of great non-animated Disney movies, so... That's what we're talking about today. We also have Thanksgiving coming up this week, so I have some recommendations for movies there. And a movie review from the new Hulu movie called Run featuring Sarah Paulson. Appreciate everyone who has made this podcast their Monday ritual. Without any further ado, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. That's it. That's the name of the podcast. Welcome back to another episode. My name is Movie Mike, and we're talking about the best non-animated Disney movies. And you scroll through Disney Plus, and you just see cartoon character after cartoon character they're just known for their animation. They do it so well, and they're such a dominant force when it comes to it. There's no real surprises there. When I'm just looking at the highest-grossing Disney movies of all time, you pretty much have to go into, like, number 20 to find a non-animated Disney movie. But there's just so many great classics in here that I felt we should acknowledge them a little bit on this episode. So that's the simple question. What's the best non-animated Disney movie? I have some personal favorites. I put out the question on my Twitter page and pulled some from you guys who commented on that. If you don't follow me over there, just hit me up at Mike Distro. I usually throw the topic out of there every single week. So the first one I had on my list was a movie I remember watching as a kid. And it probably could have fit the whole topic that I did a few weeks ago whenever I was talking about movies that you probably couldn't do today and they maybe haven't aged so well. And I saw some other people mention this movie as well. And it's a movie called Heavyweights. And the entire premise of this movie is a kid gets sent to fat camp. Probably couldn't do it now. But I remember when I watched this movie, 
For the first time ever in my life, I saw a kid on screen who looked like me, and that was amazing. And not only that, but it was funny. I even rewatched it the other day, and the comedy still holds up. It's still a funny movie, being a kid's movie and being a Disney movie, that if you were to watch it now, I think you would still enjoy it. And Judd Apatow also worked on this movie, who you would know for a lot of his comedies. And you can tell, like, a lot of it kind of balances that line of it being a kid's movie, but also having some adult humor. There's even, like, some changes from the version you would see, like, at the movies to the version they would play on TV. They would edit out some scenes. But really, the thing that stuck out to me about this movie was the fact that there was kids on screen that looked like me now. Because growing up, I always struggled with my weight. And not only that, it always made me feel like an outcast to be, you know not comfortable looking the way I am and all my other friends, you know, were a lot better looking and more in shape than I was. And it was something I dealt with all the way through high school and then into college until if you don't know my story, I lost over a hundred pounds almost like five years ago now and have been able to keep it off. But it was such a struggle for me to like find anything that didn't make the fat person out to be the comic relief in a movie. That's kind of what everything was and how somebody like me was represented. It was always the comic relief or they were the dopey friend. It was never the guy getting the girl in a movie. And then you have this group of outcast kids who are all exactly the same and they're able to go to a camp where they all have other people who identify with all the problems they go through. So I think that's a big reason why this is one of my favorites. I'd say it's probably more of a guy's movie. And it's cool to know that Judd Apatow worked on this movie. Even going back, like Kenan Thompson is in this, Ben Stiller and Jerry Stiller are in this. So it's on Disney Plus if you want to check that one out. Candy belongs to Seymour Butts. Who's Seymour Butts? Nobody's Seymour Butts than you, Uncle Tony. <laughs> you picked the wrong man to mess Another one of my favorites was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And the first one is easily the best one, but I actually loved all the additional sequels that they made, even the last one, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, it's a very 90s movie, and it was just something about Rick Moranis at that time that I really liked everything he was in. He was a great actor, and crazy that he quit acting and was really like one of the most famous comedic actors for a while, and then just went away. Because in 1997, he took a long break from acting after his wife passed away, and he just wanted to take care of his two kids, so what an awesome dude. Since then, he did do some voice acting. He was in the movie Brother Bear back in 2003. And after a 23-year hiatus, he will appear in a new sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids called Shrunk. So Rick Moranis is back. And I'm glad they found the guy who sucker punched him in New York City. What a jerk. We just got to keep our eyes open. Moving on down the list. Now... You have the original Parent Trap, but I think everybody's favorite, mine included, would be the remake with Lindsay Lohan. And easily in the top three of Lindsay Lohan movies, her other one would probably be Mean Girl, of course. And then the other one is actually another Disney live action movie, Freaky Friday. Sadly, Herbie Fully Loaded did not make this list. Now, another great non-animated Disney movie you may have forgotten about was a movie called Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. And I remember watching this movie as a kid and being completely blown away by it. And even now as an adult looking back on how much work was probably put into this movie, it's even more just kind of mind-blowing. The fact that they were able to take these dogs and cats and put them together to create a movie, to me it seems like a really hard idea to pitch because Disney was just so known at this time for their animation 
it seems like they were trying to do a step away of like, okay, what if we, can we do different? What if we kind of take the charm of our animated stories and put them into live action by taking real life animals and training them so well that we could make a movie out of it? I bet that was a very hard sell. And realizing how much work was put into this, like they put in six weeks of work training these animals before they even started filming. So the characters in the movie are Shadow, Chance, and Sassy, the two dogs and the cat. Chance and Shadow were each played by four different dogs, and Sassy the cat was played by ten different cats. So the additional animals were brought in to do very specific things that maybe only this animal could do, or really just to give the main animals a break while they were filming. But not only that, they had other animals too, like a mountain lion, an owl, black bears, a porcupine, and a skunk that they all had to train and put into this movie. I just imagine them filming this and then coming back with a complete mess of footage and being like, okay, how are we going to make this work? They say the hardest things to work with in film and TV are animals and kids. So this one probably took forever. A movie I feel that was so popular when it came out, but now nobody talks about it is Disney's George of the Jungle. Brendan Fraser in particular is an actor who was just so big in the 90s and early 2000s. He just kind of went away from acting. Like, what happened to Brendan Fraser? But this movie was a number one comedy when it came out in 1997. It cost $55 million to make, but ended up making $174 million worldwide. But nobody talks about George of the Jungle. I feel like this movie was a great balance of being so kind of cartoony for kids, but also having something for adults. Like Leslie Mann is in this movie. And there are jokes in it that adults would get and go a little bit over kids' heads. I just think it's a great movie that nobody talks about. Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! <laughs> Another sleeper Disney movie I feel that did really well at the box office was the movie Holes with Shia LaBeouf. Now, it only cost $20 million to make but ended up making $71 million worldwide. That's about 3.6 times its production budget. So a pretty nice profit for this one, and it also did pretty well on DVD sales. This was when Shia LaBeouf was kind of in that mid-series of being a Disney kid, doing even Stevens, and then going on to being a big movie star. And it's also a movie based on a book, so I feel maybe some people enjoyed the book more and didn't give the movie enough credit, but still a great movie. And while I'm talking about successful Disney kids, it would be a disservice and a dishonest thing of me not to mention the Lizzie McGuire movie, which I saw in theaters. I'll admit that. And I actually kind of want to do a whole separate segment where I talk about just Disney Channel original movies, because this is a whole other genre of movie and just kind of nostalgic memories of watching those movies. So that'll be a later episode if you guys are interested in hearing about that. Now, when it comes to the most successful non-animated Disney movie, there's one film franchise hands down that takes the cake here, and it is Pirates of the Caribbean. Collectively, over all the movies they have made, a total of $4.5 billion. Yeah, that's $4.5 billion worldwide. It's a lot of money. And when you look at just the highest grossing non-animated Disney movies, it's pretty much every single Pirates of the Caribbean movie throughout the entire list. And actually taking the number one slot is 2006's Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, which made a billion dollars on its own. At World's End comes in at number two with $963 million, and it kind of goes down from there. But basically, any Pirates of the Caribbean movie just kind of dominates this chart. I think the first one and the second one were, without a doubt, the best of the series. And I feel like the quality got less and less and less. I did go see the last one in theaters because the thing about the Pirates of the Caribbean movies 
is they're meant to be experienced on the big screen. They're very cinematic, very loud. You get that immersive experience when you go watch one of these movies, without a doubt. But I just feel like the storyline kind of got boring there towards the end of the movies. Once Orlando Bloom and Kara Knightley weren't a part of them anymore, got a little less interesting. They were pretty much just paying a lot of money to have Johnny Depp play Captain Jack Sparrow. But I think easily these are the most successful live-action Disney movies, not including, of course, the remakes of the animated movies, and also the ones that have just kind of translated more to having, like, attractions at Disney World, merchandise, like, all that kind of stuff is all about Pirates of the Caribbean. So, by the numbers, they're probably the best. I don't think they're my favorite, but they may be yours. They're great movies. Now, along the lines of a good adventure movie when it comes to Disney, another one of the best is National Treasure. Now, they made two of these. The first one did a lot better than the second one, because mainly because the second one kind of just tried to replicate what they did in the first one. Like, what's he going to do? Steal the Declaration of Independence again? That was a tougher sell. And they're supposed to be making a third one. And I know the first one isn't entirely accurate, but for some reason we watched it all the time in school and it felt like we were learning. So I, I at least learned some basics of American history by watching this movie. But I'm pretty sure it is impossible to steal it. But if anyone was going to be able to pull it off, it'd probably be Nick Cage. That dude is crazy. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. But I think aside from the action movies, aside from the family movies, where Disney non-animated movies really kind of shine and I feel are underrated is their sports movies. And the reason why is because they're really great at telling the story of an underdog. And everybody likes rooting for an underdog. There's a long list of movies here. Everything from Mighty Ducks, Remember the Titans, Invincible, The Rookie, Miracle, even going back old school with The Big Green. There's a lot of great Disney sports movies. And I feel these also don't get enough credit. Some honorable mentions here. Also got to throw in Blank Check, which I did a whole kind of deep dive into that one a couple episodes if you want to check that out, which is a movie that probably wouldn't hold up today. Also got Hook, The Princess Diaries, Flubber, Ella Enchanted, not to be confused with Enchanted, Hocus Pocus, and also The Santa Claus. But I kind of want to wait to talk about that one when it comes to a Christmas episode, but I will mention it here. And then also the OG Mary Poppins which I remember watching for the first time in school and being very confused. I, for some reason, thought Mary Poppins was a real person for a while. And, of course, the great thing about Mary Poppins was all the music in this. And Disney did an interesting thing where they came out with a movie called Saving Mr. Banks with Tom Hanks. And it was kind of the story of the creator of Mary Poppins and how that whole movie came together. I just felt that Saving Mr. Banks was a very weird movie. Like, I just didn't feel like it was a movie. I thought it was going to be a little more about... Walt Disney in particular, but I felt like even him being played by Tom Hanks didn't have a whole lot in the movie. And while I thought the story behind it was pretty cool, how it was based on a real father and how she worked with the people making the music and all the kind of details of that story, I just felt like a really weird movie. I didn't really enjoy that one. And it was also described to me as a heartfelt Disney movie. I didn't feel like my heart was warm after watching that. It kind of made me a little bit sad. And I'll end with this. I do have the top 10 grossing non-animated Disney movies. So like I said, you basically have to go into like the 20s to get to these. But at number 10, you have National Treasure, which made $331 million. At number 9 is Enchanted with $340 million. At number 8, you have National Treasure Book of Secrets, which made $457 million. At number 7 is Maleficent, Mistress of Evil with $489 million. At number 6, you have The Oz, Great and Powerful with $490 million, a movie I felt a little bit disappointed by. I was like, James Franco is The Oz. That's going to be great. A little bit of a letdown. At number 5, you have Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl with $654 million. 
And an interesting thing I found going through this list, I was kind of diving into all these movie numbers, and The Sixth Sense actually came up as a Disney movie, which I found that Disney had actually bought the production rights to The Sixth Sense, but they were kind of like not feeling it at one point. I guess they were going to maybe get into doing some suspense or some horror movies for a minute. They have put out one rated R Disney movie back in the day, but I guess they felt like this wasn't going to really fit them and they weren't feeling the direction of it. So they sold the production rights to Spyglass, who ended up putting it out and made a bunch of money. But it just has some Disney ties. I found it was interesting that it came up on this list. But that would have been at number five if you consider that a Disney movie, which it's really not. At number four is The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That's the first one from 2005 with $720 million. That's a whole kind of film franchise that I felt like a lot of people cared about when they first came out. And again, nobody really talks about those movies anymore. At number three, you have 2014's Maleficent with $758 million. And then you got the number two I mentioned earlier with both Pirates movies from 2007 and 2006 taking the top two spots. So those are the best in regards to numbers. If you feel like there's any movie I left off this list, send me a message on Twitter or Instagram. I am at Mike Distro. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess, the 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we got Thanksgiving coming up this week. And I feel like Thanksgiving always gets looked over when it comes to having movies you can watch on Thanksgiving be about Thanksgiving. 
kind of the same lines that not a whole lot of Thanksgiving songs, not a whole lot of Thanksgiving movies. And I wanted to just give some recommendations of, I don't really feel like all of these are involving Thanksgiving, but they're movies about family that you can watch with your family and have some kind of family values. Keyword here being family. Because we only get like a little slice where we enjoy Thanksgiving. Basically, after Halloween, everybody kind of goes straight Christmas, wants to talk about Christmas movies and music. But I feel like we look over what makes a good Thanksgiving movie. I know you'll probably be watching football, but if you want to watch something that's not football or take a break from that, here are some recommendations. A movie I just watched that came out last year is called Fighting With My Family. Now, I was a really big wrestling fan in the 90s which was called the Attitude Era, and The Rock was my favorite, at the time called WWF, wrestler. And it's crazy to see his kind of transformation from being a straight-up pro wrestler to kind of an amateur actor doing, like, the Scorpion King, and now basically being not only one of the biggest celebrities in the world, but one of the highest-paid actors of all time. And he has a pretty small role in this movie, but what it's about is the real-life story of the wrestler Paige. And she grew up in a family where wrestling was like, that's what you do. Her parents were wrestlers. Her brother was a wrestler. And she knew she wanted to be a wrestler at a very young age. And it's about how she came to America. And both her and her brother wanted to be wrestlers, but only she got picked. Basically because it's so hard to get into the WWE. And they found that she had something just a little bit different that they were looking for. And even if you're not into wrestling, I think this is also a really great story about family. Not only the relationship she has with their parents in this movie and kind of the pressure or maybe just the kind of suggestion of following in their footsteps, but also the relationship with her and her brother and the struggle he has feeling that his sister is kind of taking on the career that he dreamed for himself and he didn't have success in that she's kind of going on and doing really big things and he struggles supporting her which I think is a tough thing among siblings. You know, even just seeing your brother get a job or your sister get something that you were going for, it's a hard thing to deal with. So I think this movie shows how important it is to have the support of your family following your hopes and dreams. And aside from the family aspect, it also shows how hard it is as a female in a male-dominated industry. And after I watched it, I looked it up just to see how accurate it was about her life, and it's pretty spot on. So it's great if you're looking for a movie about family, also perfect if you're like me and loved wrestling. Like, I loved wrestling so much as a kid that me and my brother would wrestle and we lived in a trailer park. Very small, cramped trailer, but we would still bust each other's faces on the walls and make holes in the floor. And our mom hated us for it. I have The Rock to thank for that. Another great movie about family. One if you want to laugh, Meet the Parents. Can't go wrong with Meet the Parents. I feel like I could put this movie on at home with my family and everybody would kind of at least be warm and receptive to watching this movie. I always struggle finding movies I can watch with my parents. One, because they're from Mexico, and they don't really watch a whole lot of movies to begin with. Like, my dad has probably only watched two movies in his entire life. So if we're going to watch something as a family, it usually has to be a comedy, something that we can all get. A good slapstick comedy is something that everybody can enjoy. And then number two, my parents are from Mexico, so yes, there's a language barrier on some of the jokes. So I feel like a movie like Meet the Parents, it's probably one that would be a good crowd pleaser. But when it comes to probably the best movie about Thanksgiving that's actually funny is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It's a John Hughes movie from 1987 starring Steve Martin and John Candy. 
And it's all about Steve Martin's character traveling home, trying to get there in time for Thanksgiving, and his journey there with John Candy's character. John Candy is another underrated comedic actor. I could even put him in the category of the best Disney movies because he was in Cool Runnings. It's actually his last movie that ever came out after his death. So you know what? While you're at it, throw on Cool Runnings too. And then a meme that probably gets posted every single Thanksgiving is Wednesday from the Adams Family, taken from Adams Family Values, another movie about Thanksgiving. But probably the OG, the one that would be on TV no matter what, the Thanksgiving classic, A Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. All right, those are some Thanksgiving recommendations for you. All right, let's get into a movie review now. Talking about the movie Run, which just came out on Hulu. It was actually supposed to come out on Mother's Day, but because of COVID-19, it was delayed until now. Hulu bought the rights, and we finally got to see this movie, which is all about this crazy mom. It's a fun mystery thriller that I won't give away any of the plot points, but I do want to talk about it. Before I get into this review, here's just a little bit of the movie Run. You may not understand this right now, but I am doing what I know is best for you. I know that I've scared you, but I will spend every minute of our lives making sure you never feel that way again. I'm your mom. So this movie is from the same writer and director who did the movie in 2018 called Searching with John Cho, which is another really great thriller, mystery, suspense movie. And I feel like this one kind of has that same vibe. The overall plot of this movie, which you could tell from the trailer, is that this mom has been caring for her daughter who has been bound to her wheelchair her entire life. She grew up with health problems. But now the girl in the movie is starting to apply to college and going to try to live her own life. And she starts to become suspicious of her mother. So it is a mystery movie and they're trying to figure out exactly what her mom's motives have been throughout the entire movie. But just by watching this trailer, you can tell that there's something going on with her mom and something that she's not telling her and she's trying to figure out. And what this movie does a really cool job of just kind of showing how isolated she has made her life where she's already bound to a wheelchair and living in this life that she only knows from her mother, controlling everything from when she eats, what she eats. She has a garden out back where she goes and grows their food. She gives her all her medicine and does all these things to help her be completely dependent of her mom and only do things that she can kind of control. So I don't feel this movie does anything novel in the way of like you don't really expect what's coming here. You're not really seeing all the twists and turns. There are some cool moments later. But even though that you start to kind of put the puzzle together in your head while you're watching this, it doesn't make it any less enjoyable. It never really crosses that line to being a full on horror movie. It's just a really good suspenseful thriller. And there's just something about Sarah Paulson. I don't know. It's the way she acts. It's maybe just like her facial expression sometimes that... She really can lead into being kind of a sadistic, kind of controlling, terrifying character. She does a really good job of that, whether it's this movie or American Horror Story. I think she's one of the best at pulling off those kinds of roles and really kind of shines through in this movie. And again, I won't ruin the ending, but like I said, you can probably kind of start to put the pieces together. But throughout the movie, you see her daughter, Chloe, kind of dealing with all these ailments she's had her entire life, whether it's diabetes, asthma, lower body paralysis, and she's just starting to question her life and if it could have gone a different way. And also the movie is called Run, so you have something to expect coming with that. So overall, it's a movie about a mother who's just overprotective to the max. And it was supposed to come out around Mother's Day to kind of be like that obscure Mother's Day movie, I guess. It probably should have come out before Halloween. It's not a full-on horror movie, but there are some kind of scary elements to it. I don't think if you 
aren't a big fan of horror movies, you won't like this one. If you're just into kind of suspense and a thriller, you have something to look forward to here. I like there were really only two main characters throughout this entire movie. For some reason, I like movies that have a small cast but are still able to keep you entertained throughout. It wasn't as much of a mind bender or mystery that I was kind of hoping for. Definitely a lot more creepy than scary. I would give it right around just a little bit more than 3.5. So I'll go 3.75 prescriptions out of 5. All right, good to get into some movie news now. And I brought my co-host and fiance, Kelsey, to the podcast. Welcome back. Thank you. So probably the biggest piece of movie news is that Wonder Woman is going to release onto HBO Max on Christmas Day. And on the same time, it will also come out in theaters. And I couldn't be more excited. You were very excited when you saw that announced. And it's basically the biggest movie to ever do this because... They're kind of in a weird space when it comes to Warner Brothers movies now. They put out Tenet this summer, which I still haven't got to see. I'm waiting on, I think they're going to send me a Blu-ray so I can finally watch it. Do we even have a Blu-ray player? Uh, PlayStation 4 <laughs> will play Blu-rays. <laughs> I, I haven't put a disc into a hole in a very long time, but that'll be the first time to watch that movie. <laughs> and that was a $200 million movie, and Wonder Woman is right on that same kind of scale. And it's really just an unprecedented thing they're doing. And not only is it going to be on HBO Max, but you don't have to pay any extra because Disney Plus did the whole thing where they put Mulan out. We had to pay 30 bucks to watch that. This is just straight up. You sign up for HBO Max and you watch it. But here's my thing. You can do an HBO Max trial. Yes. But if you do trial, then you can still unless they take it away between now and then. Which they may do. I have you're a, not going to make any money if everyone signs up for a one week trial to watch it. Well, you have people who won't cancel it. And they end up sticking around. Guilty. And HBO Max is pretty expensive. It's $15. Oh, I've done more expensive things that I've forgotten to cancel. But Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What's the most expensive thing? I forgot to cancel my online like bar subscription. And it's like $30 a month right now. Okay. But it's about to be cold outside, so I'll go back to doing bar at home. See, I forget like all between us, all the subscriptions we have. You have Hulu. I have I Disney do. Plus. We have Netflix. I feel like adding HBO Max is just a whole other... Like, it's 15 bucks. That's a good amount for not a whole lot that's there right now. They have great Christmas movies They right do. Now. But when it comes to original content, which I kind of really value when it comes to paying for a subscription service, they don't have a whole lot there. And this week, yesterday, actually, <laughs> I went on and created a whole new HBO Max account. I did it back when that movie American Pickle came out. Yes. And then deleted it right after. But I wanted to watch the Fresh Prince reunion. So I started a new account and I have a seven day trial that I have to cancel in a week. All right. We better watch some Christmas movies. We will. But when we scrolled around on there, they do have some really great movies. But I feel like a lot of the ones they pitched in the launch of it, like the Harry Potter movies, have all gone away since. So I guess the biggest thing is still just Friends. Friends. Yeah. Basically. Fresh Prince now. But HBO Max, I'm not quite there yet. I think with this movie... Unless they take away that trial, they'll probably make some of the money back, I think. But it's just crazy to see a movie this big. And basically, the only real big summer blockbuster to come out on streaming services and also come out in theaters. Because I guess they just want to give people that option of, if you're comfortable to go watch this in theaters, which come Christmas time, who knows what the world looks like at that time. But that never even, like struck in my head of like, okay, I may go watch this in theaters. I was automatically like, like oh, we're going to watch this at home yeah and yeah it's just a big one to come out 
and be able to watch like in the comfort of your own home. I will say it's probably a little different experience not being able to watch it like in the theater with mm-hmm. other people and on the giant screen, but trade that for like the comfort of your couch. You can wear your, wear your pajamas, have all your own snacks. <laughs> will we be getting matching pajamas for Christmas? Absolutely. What color are we going with? I don't know. I looked on Old Navy earlier and they have quite a few plaids. I like, I could do plaid. I don't think I'm more very much of like a, like a pattern type of Christmas stuff, but okay. I, I can do a classic plaid. Okay, we can do a classic plaid. If we watch it on Christmas Day when it comes out in our matching pajamas, I'll be, oh wait, that's an interesting thing. Do you say pajamas or pajamas? I say pajamas. I think I said pajamas just now. You said, you said the thing is, I love bananas and pajamas. Bananas and pajamas. And I think, because I think that was a British show or somewhere overseas, and they call them bananas and pajamas. So ever since then. Why has that show come up in our conversation so often this year? It was my favorite show as a kid for a while. But it was bananas and pajamas, and they spelled it funny. So I think bananas I said pajamas. And I never had pajamas as a kid. <laughs> Everything I slept in was like t-shirt and basketball shorts, but yes, I say pajamas because of the cartoon. <laughs> All right, but we're excited for that one. Yes. And in a world where we didn't get one single big blockbuster movie, we finally get one at the very end, which will be a, a kind of a weird thing at the end because I always do an episode with all the best movies of the year, but that's going to come out at the very end. I can't even put it in that running yet. Also in movie news is they announced a couple trilogies now there will now be a deadpool 3 and a kissing booth 3 of those two movies which are you most excited to see well i have seen none of the deadpool ones and we watched both of the kissing booths so i would say kissing booth 3 now i don't know if excited is the right term okay. <laughs> but which of those will i be watching kissing booth kissing 3 kissing booth 3 i'm more excited for the deadpool movie the first one was great and it kind of broke that it kind of broke what marvel was and what you maybe not know about Marvel is there's kind of two different universes. There's the MCU, which is Disney, and there's the whole Fox Marvel universe. So, like, X-Men and Deadpool are on this side, and all the Avengers on the other side. But since then, Disney has bought the Fox version. <laughs> so people were worried about this one, that it's not going to be as crude because it's a rated R Marvel movie. Very vulgar, very violent, but Ryan Reynolds is on board on this one. He's kind of working with the writers to make this one the same thing, but people were worried that it's not going to be as funny. Is this level of like detail and nerdiness? Is this what you feel like when I talk about like grad school stuff? Like the look that I just had on my face of like not understanding the level of detail that you just described to me. That glazed look you had <laughs> just now is the look I always have. Yes. But it's basically just, there's two versions of it and I won't even get to the third version. <laughs> okay. But just know that that's why people were worried of this Marvel movie. But yes, I'm more excited for the Deadpool. I will watch The Kissing Booth 3 with you. Have you heard anything about what it's going to be about? I don't want to read any spoilers. Okay. I find it hard to believe that that movie could be spoiled, but okay. No, I don't. I just saw that it was coming out next summer. And speaking of sequels, last week it was rumored and later confirmed that they are working on a live-action Lilo and Stitch movie. I feel like this is going to give me nightmares just hearing that. It's... Interesting to think how they will make this happen because Stitch is an alien. And a problem they had with other live action movies is do we make them look super realistic or do we kind of make them a cartoon now? 
I feel like they have to go and make him kind of cute and cuddly like the first one. That's why it was such a hit, because it's a little cute alien. But if you make a live action one with an alien, it's like, oh, what is this movie? You're still going to watch it. Oh, I, I love it. Yeah. You lovely Lone Stitch. Can we tell everyone about the Stitch onesie you wanted to buy at Target? For Halloween, I was like, let's get in the Halloween spirit, watch some Halloween movies. And I wanted to get a Stitch onesie, which is just a big, furry, blue thing with the head. It was kind of scary looking. It didn't look like Stitch. But it looked comfortable. I love Lilo and Stitch. I think getting to go to Hawaii and experience what that was. And we stayed at like the Disney resort there. And they had like a subtle flex there. They stayed. What? The one time I went to Hawaii. I never thought in my life I would go to Hawaii. I was very excited for that. Mainly because I wanted to feel like I was in the movie Lilo and Stitch. I listened to Hawaiian music the entire time I was there. But I know. You, you came back only <laughs> listening to Hawaiian music. I came back doing my Stitch impression. Too. You wrote me a letter and started it with Aloha and said, as the locals here say. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. But <laughs> I'm curious to see how they make this one. If they go, because I mean, ugh, I haven't loved all the Disney remakes. I feel like they lose a little bit of the charm. And the thing about Lilo and Stitch and why I love it so much is because it is in 2D. It's two-dimensional, two not 2D, but it has that kind of charm of still looking like the classic Disney animation before it gets all 3D. So taking that and making it live action, I'm a little hesitant about it, but of course I'm going to watch it. And the last thing in movie news is that Universal Pictures has kind of made this new deal to where any movie that comes out and opens with $50 million on their opening weekend has to stay only in theaters for 31 days. And after that, it can go into on-demand, which is a pretty quick turnaround as far as what we had to wait before because it would be like the movie would come out, be in theaters for like two to three months, and we wouldn't get it on streaming services until like six months, sometimes a year later. So I think what they're trying to do now is kind of speed up that process of like, okay, we can put these in movie theaters, make our money, but then give it to the people at home who want to watch it streaming. But I'm still kind of going back to that Wonder Woman approach which if that comes out successful where they can put it out in theaters and on streaming services at the same time i think that's kind of the future we're looking at i don't think it's going to be one and one because it kind of creates that split of like when something comes out everybody should be able to take it in how they want i don't think you have to kind of decide of like okay i want to go watch this here or wait another three weeks to have it at home so i think more kind of studios are going to make this kind of deal of where it has to run in theaters for a certain amount of time, and then it comes to streaming. But I think that one and one is kind of where we want to get. Would you agree? I would. Because, I mean, it's kind of nice to be able to watch something at home, and maybe they won't charge as much. Like, I think eventually you might have to, like, pay for things at home, kind of like the Disney Mulan model. Hopefully not $30 every time. Yeah. I think the hard part is they're all their own different services. There's not just the one thing. There's not a movies channel at home. So until they find that kind of like in between, it's going to be chaos for a little bit. And it's all just navigating these new weird waters. I mean, I would eventually like to go back to a theater. I would just like to leave the house, you know, to go do things again at some point. So I don't think I would want to watch every movie at home. I remember what were we talking about this week? We were like, oh, yeah, back when I saw that movie in theaters, it seemed like such a long time ago to go see a movie in theaters. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. But before we hop out of here, got to give the shout out of the week. 
And this week, I'm going over to Twitter. If you want a shout-out and you listen every week, all you have to do is send me a tweet at Mike Distro or tag me on your Instagram story or I have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Mike Distro. Post a lot of stuff over there, and I always read those comments. But this week, we're shouting out Hector Garcia, who sent me a tweet, and he said, Love the show, but kind of getting tired of hearing Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey every episode. Ha, ha, ha. And he kind of had a point here. I feel like I kind of get on a tangent of talking about Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey a lot. It just happens to come up in a lot of conversations and digging into a lot of movies. But I'm listening to you, Hector, and I tweeted you back, and it's all... He wasn't like a a troll or anything. He was actually just making a good point. So what I am doing, I am banning the name Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey from the podcast for three months. Wow. They got a three-month ban. So after this episode, unless they put out a movie or unless... God forbid they pass away or anything happened to them. We will not talk about Jim Carrey or Adam Sandler for three months. That is that is the deal. So shout out to Hector. Again, I will always take constructive criticism. I know a lot of people leave that one-star review. I won't listen to those all the time. But actual points made, I'll go and listen to those. I once read somewhere that if you want to read like the most like constructive criticism or like the best reviews for a product, read the three-star. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know the science behind it. Well, I guess if somebody leaves you a five-star review, they're all about it. Yeah. And they're only going to say good things. They're already on your side. A one-star review is somebody who... They just came in with a grudge. They came in with a grudge. Like, usually if you leave a review, like, on a business, you're going to come in with already a bad review. That's why you go to it. Like, oh, I was so dissatisfied with this. I want to tell you how much you suck in a one-star review. I think it's kind of the thing of, like, you... Like, in the Olympics, if you get that silver medal you're less happy than the person who got the bronze because the bronze is just happy to be up on the podium. But the person who got the silver is like, man, I wish I could have got the gold. So maybe that three-star review is that like, okay. It's the silver medal. It's They have the constructive criticism of how you can make the podcast better, but it's also just not tearing you a new one, which I hate getting tear- torn a new one inside those one-star reviews. So <laughs> They're just mean. They are just mean. Like they... And I feel like they don't even pick apart the podcast. Like, what was the one that said they didn't like how you laugh all the time? Yeah, that, like, that was like just a personal attack. They're just like personal attacks. Like, I don't like his glasses. Like, hey, that has nothing to do. You can't even hear my glasses on this podcast. <laughs> all right. Well, I will go in and dive into the three-star reviews. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Kelsey, my fiance, for hanging out on Movie News. And until next week, I don't have a fancy tagline. So I'll just say, later. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. 
Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to a Cross Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 